Our journey through the book of Matthew is almost over. We are in the second to last chapter. You can meet me there in Matthew 27. We've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew for the last two and a half years or so, and we will finish uh, talking about the Great Commission the week after Easter. And there have been highs and there have been lows in the story of Jesus over the past few years as we have walked through this book. And the ten verses we look at this morning is a definite low in the story of the Gospel. The heading in my Bible over Matthew 27 is Judas hangs himself. I'll read verses 1 through 10 of that. Early in the morning, while the chief priests and elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests, to the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. And the chief priests picked up the coins and said, It's against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That's why it's called the field of blood to this day. And then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, if you thought Peter was in a mess, Judas was in a whole different type. Peter made some bold claims. Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter left weeping bitterly. Peter messed up. But Judas, Judas handed over the Son of God to be crucified. Judas left the community of the apostles and got in cahoots with the high priests and religious elders. Judas gave Jesus Christ the kiss of death. Judas accepted money for turning his Lord over to the authorities and had him killed. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. Judas went away and killed himself. Judas was in a mess. 
In one way, this is Judas's fault. In a lot of ways, this is Judas's fault, right? Judas, the gospel writers tell us, had been stealing from the money bag along the way, right? And so Judas was in a culture of sin of his own. And Judas made the choice to go to the chief priests and the elders and say, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? Judas made some bad choices. Judas was in sin. Judas is culpable for his problem. And again, when you study the life of Judas, you see that he had a lot working against him, even beyond just his own sinful decisions. And Judas was part of an ancient prophecy that said that he would take part in Jesus being betrayed. So in a sense, even though Jesus chose to betray, Judas chose to betray Jesus, it's almost like he was fulfilling some terrible plan set forth from before Jesus was even born. Judas acted alone, sure, but Judas was also acting with the chief priests and elders of the religious institution. These were folks that were working with him, and he found himself in a community of sinfulness. And moreover, when we read the Gospel accounts, we find out that Judas was possessed by the devil. So Judas, even though he was making some bad choices, was not acting alone. If you've ever been in a tight spot, if you've ever been in a mess, if you've ever made a terrible mistake, if you've ever been hitting rock bottom in a place that you don't, don't know how to get, off, get out of, you know that you made some bad choices. You know that along the way you did things that you regret. Now you know all that, but at the same time you know that there's more going on behind the scenes that makes it even harder. You get a bad amount of luck. Hanging out with some bad people. You made some promises to some bad people. You get caught up in a way where the people around you aren't helpful. You feel like you're far from God and he's not helping you anymore. You feel like you're on this path of spiritual darkness and you don't know which way to turn. If you've ever been in a spot where you found yourself needing to get out of something terrible, you know it was your fault. But you also know that getting out of your problems is going to be a lot harder than it was to get into them. Matthew 27 tells the story of when Judas tries to get out of his sin. Right? We know how Judas got into his sin. But Matthew 27 picks up when Judas realizes he's made a huge mistake. In the morning after Peter had betrayed Jesus, after the mock trial, after all these false witnesses, after everyone was scheming against Jesus, in the morning, the chief priests and the elders of all the people made their plans on how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. And apparently, as Judas watched this unfold, he had one of those moments of, what have I done? Matthew tells us in verse 3 that when Judas, who had betrayed him, says Paul, he betrayed him, when Judas saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. Almost like one of those times where making mistakes, you've been doing the wrong thing, you've been traveling with the wrong crowds, you've been doing everything that you shouldn't be doing, but then there's those moments in life when you kind of sober up a little bit, and you realize that what you're doing is destroying your family, or what you're doing is destroying yourself, 
or what you're doing is destroying your community, or what you're doing is not sustainable, or what you're doing is going to let you end up like that guy's funeral you just went to. What you're doing is a terrible thing, and you have this moment of clarity, and you're seized with remorse. Seized because you realize, I can't keep going forward seized in the sense, too, that when you look back, you realize, I can't undo this. And all the forces that kind of went in to help you get into this mess are not going to help you get out of it. And Judas is seized with a horse. It hits rock bottom. And he comes to a place where he realizes, man, I messed up. And this morning, if you're in that place, you messed up. You know it. You've been trying to hide it for a long time, but you know it. There's a message for you in here. If you've ever messed up, if you someday will mess up, there's a message for you in here. Because Judas found himself in this place where even though he was seized with this remorse, he had to figure out how to get out of this mess. That's really hard. When I think about having to fess up to a mistake, I always picture like a little kid who like gets caught with his hand in a candy jar or something. And maybe you were like 12 and you got caught stealing chapstick from Safeway. You know? <laughs> that happened to you, didn't it? The security guard catches you. <laughs> don't call that off. Don't call that off. It's a beautiful Parents show up. It's safe way. The police officer's talking to you like, you're going to go to jail, young lady. you got to, like, spit out what you had done. It's hard. Maybe you're in first grade and you, like, leaned over and kissed the girl sitting next to you in class. And the girl didn't want you to kiss her. <laughs> now you're in the principal's office and your heart is beating like, I'm going to tell my mom that I kissed this girl already. And it's hard to get out of it when you're seven years old. It's hard to get out of it. Stole that cherry chapstick from Safeway. It's hard. But man, when we grow up and we make dumb mistakes as adults, that's a lot harder. That's one thing to steal chapstick from Safeway. Don't do it. But it's one thing to steal chapstick from Safeway. You can steal money from work. What are you supposed to do? Write a note to your boss? I'm so sorry. I've been stealing money from the expense account. Please forgive me. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your reputation. You're going to go to jail. The adult grade sin is a lot harder to get out of than the kid grade sin. You kiss the girl sitting next to you when you're seven years old. That's an awkward conversation with mom and dad. But kiss the girl next to you at work. Forty-five years old. Just sit down. Parents and say, I'm so sorry, I kissed this girl. You gotta sit down with your wife. <laughs> I have been with this woman at work for the last year. 
That's a different conversation. You're going to lose your marriage. You think that? You're going to lose your children. You're going to lose your job. You're going to go to jail, right? Adult love sin is complicated and we get caught in it because there's no easy way out. Judas finds himself in this place where he, he, it's his fault. He betrayed Jesus. He messed up. But now he wants to get out of it. What do you think? Jesus is going to be executed. You just stop in there and be like, I'm sorry, hold on. Stop the soldiers. My bad, this was me. I made it up. You can't do that. It's not going to work. The bell has been rung. You can't find the weekend. Jesus is who he said he is. What did I do? Now, all Judas can do is go to church, find his religious leaders, and say, I've sinned against God, right? Like David in Psalm 51. I've sinned against God. Against you and you only have I sinned, God. Confess his sin. See what will happen when he brings it to God himself, through the religious leader. why Judas betrayed Jesus. And not like what was his motivation in betraying Jesus, but why was he necessary in the betrayal of Jesus? You know the story with Judas? Goes to the chief priests and elders and says, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? And give him 30 pieces of silver. And so he goes and he finds out the soldiers and he finds this angry mob and they march into the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus and the disciples have been praying and he tells the angry mob, he tells the soldiers, the one that I kiss, that's Jesus of Nazareth. And then Judas goes up to Jesus and he betrays him with a kiss and steps back and lets the soldiers do their work. Was Judas really necessary in that moment? Even Jesus points it out and says, why are you coming at me at night with an angry mob? Why didn't you just arrest me in the temple when I was teaching? You hated it. Why, why the orchestration? Why, why this whole weird thing? Why the kiss? Why the betrayal? Why all that? We see an answer to that question at the beginning of Matthew 26 before it all started happening. Verse 3, Matthew tells us that the chief priests and the elders and the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. And the elders and the chief priests, they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. Your translation might say that they looked for a sly way to get Jesus to be killed. And it didn't start with Judas. And he started with his chief priests, started the elders of the people, getting together and realizing that they wanted Jesus dead, but since they were holy men, godly men, they couldn't just kill Jesus. They couldn't hand him over to crucify. They had a riot on their hands, and so they needed a sly way to do it. They needed a scheme. Right? They needed a plan where someone else could turn Jesus in for them, and they would be off the hook, and their hands would be clean, the whole deal. And so when Judas came into their office, right, came into their boardroom and said, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? In a sense, Judas Iscariot was an answer to the prayers of the religious leaders. Here's a fall guy. 
Hey, we're not taking advantage of him. He wants to give Jesus over. It's, it's on him. And yet now this is the community that Judas needs to go to and confess his sins. As we start reading through this and understanding the story and knowing the characters, we get this feeling that this is not going to go well for Judas. As he marches back into the temple, goes to the chief priests and religious elders and says, guys, I made a mistake. I should not have taken your money. And when we look at the story this way, you start to feel for Judas. You're not supposed to feel for Judas. Right? He's the betrayer. Right? Acts 1 says that he went to the place where he belonged. It's Judas' fault. He betrayed Jesus. That's true. He made the decision. He'd been stealing the whole time. He was a rough guy doing rough things. He is culpable. We know that. But you feel for him. You feel for him because you always feel for someone who sees with remorse. Doesn't matter how hardened the criminal is, right? When they come to their knees and say, God, I've messed up my life, right? We, we feel for that person. Well, we all make mistakes, right? Some of us worse than others, but when someone comes to their senses, when someone realizes they made a huge mistake, when someone realizes they sober up and realize, I've done something monstrous, I've done a monstrosity that's terrible, right? And we feel for them, our hearts caught on, we want to go around them and say, it's okay, we'll get you through this, we'll help you out of this, right? I think of that when I think of Judas in this passage being seized with remorse and swallowing his pride and going up the steps of the temple and finding the chief priests and the elders and saying, I've made a huge Judas' words in Matthew 27. For I have sinned. For I have betrayed innocent blood. You would hope that if you had a big sin and you went to go talk to a pastor or an elder or religious leader about it, that they bring life to you. I messed up. I stepped out of my life. I'm a religious co-worker. That your pastor, right? That your friend, that your spiritual leader, whoever it is, that you bring this to them and they say, wow, it's that's big. <laughs> but God will forgive you. Let me help you through this. Let's start talking through this. This is going to be a hard road, but it's going to be a, a better road now. You're in a safe place here. Let's, let's help you with this. Let me pray for you. Right? Confess, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Have <laughs> you ever had to deal with that? Hopefully that's what you received, right? You went to your pastor, you went to your spouse, you went to whoever it was who said, I've sinned, I've made a huge mistake, I've sinned against the Lord. Hopefully what they said is what they should have said. And God is good. God will forgive your sins. He loves to forgive. You'd hope that these religious leaders would say that to Judas. Judas, you are obviously repentant. Let us help you get restored. That's not what they say. Judas says, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. His pastors his leaders, his elders respond. What is that to us? This is your 
responsibility. Judas, don't talk to us, man. That's on you. And a man who goes up the steps in the temple hoping that someone will take his sin away encounters a religious authority that says, your sin's on you, man. Now go walk in the weight of that. And scholars have argued for a long time whether or not Judas was truly repentant. It says he was, he was seized with regret, that word remorse. Right? The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians that there's a sorrow, there's a remorse that leads to repentance, but there's also a sorrow that doesn't lead to repentance. Right? You can be sorry you did something, but not really sorry, you know what I mean? Which one did Judas have? Well, they say the difference between Judas and Peter is that when Peter repented, he meant it. Judas didn't mean it. Look at this man in this text in Matthew 27. He looks like a man who's truly repentant. Or wanting to. He looks like a man that has a seed of some kind of regret in his heart, and that seed is trying to bear fruit towards godliness and good things. Right? He doesn't just feel bad and say, eh. Right? He feels bad and he grabs the money and goes to return it. He feels bad, he goes up the steps to the temple, he says, I have sinned. It sounds like the prayer of a repentant person. But what Judas experiences in that moment is not someone saying, let me help you get your sin taken care of. It's a group of men whose hands are dirty. Who paid him to do that? And they say, your sin's on you, man. Judas walks out of that room. His sin's still there on his shoulders. Matthew tells us that he walks out of the night air for the morning air. Finds a rope, ties it to a tree, slips it around his neck, steps off to his bed and hangs until he dies. That's what happens when no one will remove your sin from you. Some of us have felt that way. Sin has been all us. No one think of it. I read the story of Judas and all that things. It didn't have to end that way. That's your story. It doesn't have to end that way. A lot of people have compared Judas's fate with Peter's fate. Both of them denied Christ in different ways. And yet Peter ends up, by the book of Acts, leading the church. And by the book of Acts, they're casting lots for a place, Judas, because he went where he deserved. What was the difference? Well, made it so that Peter was able to be restored, and Judas went to the place of the depths. What was the difference? I'm sure you can make an argument that maybe Peter was more repentant than Judas. You can make an argument that Judas' sin was worse than Peter's. Maybe you can make an argument that Judas went where he deserved, but Peter deserved to be restored. Maybe. But I noticed two things in the difference between the life, the life of Judas and the life of Peter. One, I noticed the difference in the community that each of those men had around them. And two, I noticed the difference in who each of those men repented to. Peter denies Christ. He goes out in the darkness and he weeps bitterly. 
And he stays connected with a good group of people, the apostles, the disciples. We see that when Jesus resurrects, Peter's with the rest of them in that same room. And he rushes to the tomb with John. He's got good people around him. We know that when Jesus restores Peter in John 21, Peter's in Galilee fishing with the disciples, obeying the command of Jesus to go ahead to Galilee. Even though Peter was in the depths of despair, even though Peter was weeping bitterly, even though Peter rejected and denied Christ, even though Peter thought he was unfit to lead in God's church, he kept sticking with good people, and he kept following Jesus in the midst of his despair. I see a different setup with Judas. You get the sense when Judas walked out of the Last Supper that he was walking into the darkness and leaving the community of the disciples. He was becoming the traitor. He was no longer one of them. The Judas community now is the chief priests and the elders, these men who were supposed to be godly men but had turned. Judas was in a place that the people around him were not helping him get out of this. And in a sense, the people around Judas were keeping him in it. They wouldn't take his burden away. Now, if you're in something tough right now, or you find yourself in a mess at some point in your life, one question to ask yourself is, who's around me right now? If you've ever gone through recovery, you hit rock bottom in your alcohol, your addiction, whatever it was, you realize pretty quickly, I'm going to need a new group of people around me, or I'm not going to have this thing. Because the friends I have now are keeping me in it. The friends I have now are egging me on towards bad things. The friends I have now are keeping me in my darkness. I need a new community that will bring me into the light, that will hold me accountable, that will bring out what is bad and push me towards what is good. That's what I need. I need new folks around me. Yeah. Peter had new folks. Good folks around him. Judas was... In a place that when he sinned, the only people to talk to were the people who paid him to do it. That's probably the primary thing. For me, as I read this text, I feel the primary thing that separates Judas Iscariot from the Apostle Peter is who they brought their repentance to. Again, I feel for Judas, he brought his repentance right to where he should have been, in a sense, the temple. He walked up the steps to God's holy place. He went to the holy leaders in the holy temple, and he said, I have sinned. I have taken innocent blood. Here's the money back. I want to make restitution. I want to be cleansed. I've messed up, and he brought it to God's house. He went to the right place. But he was met up in a community of elders who wouldn't take his sin who wouldn't extend God's forgiveness to him. Listen up, you've had that happen. You try to confess to your religious leader, you try to confess to a pastor, you try to confess to a Christian friend, and you didn't get forgiveness from them. You got how dare you from them. You got how, God hates people like you from them. You got God will never forgive you from them. And if they did that, that is a terrible thing they've done. You felt like Judas feels. You've got this sin and you went to the place you're supposed to go to have it removed. But they just pushed the burden down harder. Peter had the luxury of repenting not to the crooked religious establishment, but he had the privilege of repenting to Jesus Christ, who died for his sin. Now when Peter engaged with Jesus after he had betrayed him, after he went up to Galilee, and Jesus found Peter after a meal in the fire, 
Jesus initiates a restoration to Peter when Peter's still feeling in the depths. Jesus keeps speaking life into him and saying, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. He's not like the religious leaders that push his sin on his shoulders. And Jesus is not like the religious leaders who say, not my fault. He's not like the religious leaders who say, your sin's on you. And Jesus says, your sin's on me. I did for your sin. I went to the cross for your sin. I died for your sin. Now here's some life. I just want to hear that sin that's waiting on you. There's a lot of healthy places that you can bring it to find forgiveness. But let the first place you go with your sin be to the one who died to take it away. Today's the day that you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have, I've been trying to take away my own sin. I've been trying to get better. I've been trying to prove to you that I can do it, but Jesus, I can't do it. I keep messing up. I keep doing the wrong thing. I can't get this guilt away. I need this weight to off my shoulders. I need forgiveness. Can I get it from you? The Apostle John, who walked with Paul through this whole season, says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just. He will forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. Peter, who walked through the restoration himself, said about Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his stripes are we healed. Through his relationship with Jesus, Peter got an understanding that the death of Christ was for him. The death of Christ was for us. That though he took part in handing him over to die, the death that Jesus died, the death and forgiveness of all who come to him and ask for him. Jesus never had the luxury of receiving of healing. Maybe he was too far gone. Maybe he was destined to be that way. Maybe the prophecy had overtaken him. Maybe he was too deep in his sin. But and for you, for us, it doesn't have to be that way. This morning, some of us need to confess. Some of us need to bring our sin to Jesus and, and experience firsthand that he is faithful. Experience firsthand that he is gracious and compassionate. And experience firsthand the way that he removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Some of us this morning need to experience what it feels like when he takes our sin and casts it into the depths of the sea. And some of us need to be men and women who breathe life into others. Some of us are going to hear some confessions. Some of us are going to wrestle with people in their own lives and they say, will God ever forgive me? And we need to be people not like these religious leaders who say, yes, he will. Your sin has been paid for. Your sin has been bought, you have been purchased. You can receive new life 
Jesus, just come to me. This morning, as we prepare to respond, let's take some time and wrestle with God in some of these things.